0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy.
1: So when you get, maybe you feel overweight or when you feel a little sloppy, there's a, there's a good impulse that we humans have that you should act upon. Not all impulses are bad, where you say, man, I need to, I need to change what I'm eating. I need to change my diet. Now, a modern term for this that is used, especially in the health circles, is to detox. This is why you'll see some people walking around drinking celery juice and doing keto diet, which is ketosis to get your body into a state of ketosis. Don't recommend that, by the way. It could be very bad for your heart. It's where people go on diets and start working out. And that's a good thing. When when people start to embark on a journey of self-improvement, we should be supportive of that. We should tell and we should encourage people to continue to try to make themselves a better version of themselves. In fact, you're going to start to see that a lot coming up in the coming months when people are going to start to get back into the gym or go outside and try to assume a healthier lifestyle. Now that is happening individually, but it's also happening culturally. The same sort of impulse where you start to evaluate why am I Eating these donuts for breakfast. Why am I having, you know, a three course lunch? Why am I having dessert every night? Maybe I need to cut back. Maybe I need to reprioritize what I'm putting into my body so that I can actually have an outcome that I can live with, that I can have progress and I could be on the journey of self improvement. The very same thing is happening right now with the information and the content that we as a society consume and process. The very same way as now people are starting to reject donuts and saturated fats and fried foods, people are now starting to say, why am I paying money every single month voluntarily for a subscription service that is feeding me the equivalent of saturated fats that might feel good when I watch it, but I feel really bad afterwards and it doesn't make me happier. In fact, it makes me sadder and I just don't like what they're pushing out. The example, of course, that I'm talking about is this incredible news that shows that Netflix is now down by 37%, their stock. Down 37% in trading. Now, it came out yesterday that Netflix reported a loss of 200,000 monthly paying subscribers during the first quarter of this year. Netflix has embraced the woke agenda completely and totally. Now there's still some good content on Netflix. I canceled my Netflix subscription because after they published cuties, which I believe was very close to child pornography and other people agree. It's hard to not to come to that conclusion. There's some fine content on Netflix. Their show on Elon Musk is fine. Their World War II documentaries are okay. Sure. But Netflix has gone all in on the diversity equity agenda. In fact, Netflix has become a mouthpiece for the political correct regime. They have entire categories dedicated to trans content, entire categories dedicated to fighting racism. Netflix, of course, is now coming up against other competitors. A big push from Disney, the grooming network, big push, which is Hulu, of course. Um, Hulu is owned by Disney, a big push by Discovery Plus, HBO Max, and Netflix is now up against the wall. Now, you might say, Charlie, what's the importance? So what if Netflix is cratering? I don't think you quite understand the cultural impact that Netflix has over young people and how they view the world. If 200,000 people are divesting from Netflix, they are doing the exact same type of behavior that people do when they say, I'm a little bit overweight. Get me some celery juice. Get me a gym membership. I'm going to stop going out to the bar every evening, and I got to get myself into shape. What you are seeing is an entire country or culture start to kind of sit up straight with their shoulders back and say, that's not making me a happier or better person. Now, Netflix seemed to be untouchable for years. In fact, Netflix was part of the the acronym of tech boom, which was called FANG, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, and Google. They seemed to be untouchable. They just seemed to be almost experiencing anti-gravity levitation in their stock price. No matter what happened, recession fears, COVID um, fears, Netflix just kind of grew. And now Netflix is experiencing that what goes up must come down. But Netflix decided to inject the very same virus that is being challenged at every single corner in American society. They they didn't not just inject it, they made it dogma, they made it doctrine. Netflix has unabashedly and wholeheartedly embraced the very same insidious ideology, the cancer, that is becoming increasingly unpopular in America. So now you kind of see this, you say, wow, CNN Plus, they spent a billion dollars cratering. You see MSNBC, their ratings, Crater, Netflix now. And Netflix, I would argue, actually, is more influential in shaping the opinions, the thoughts, the perspectives, the worldviews, in challenging the values and the morals of a society. Netflix is more influential in that regard than most media companies. Most media companies do not have the kind of sway, they do not have the kind of power that Netflix has. One documentary from Netflix can change the world. If you don't believe me, for whatever reason, we all decided to start caring about that weird guy from Oklahoma, the tiger guy. What was his name again? Um, I just know Carol Baskin, because that was kind of the whole thing. The Exotic Joe. Joe Exotic. Exotic Joe. And that was a Netflix documentary. And like we all of a sudden started like, People were advocating for his pardon. It's like this whole bizarre thing. That's the power of Netflix. Ozark, that's the power of Netflix. It's when all of a sudden you have a show that just everyone needs to go see. Now, of course, Netflix came onto the scene by publishing House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. That was kind of their first content investment that really helped boost their their rise. But Netflix is going to have a decision, which is, They are anchored to the pesky shackles of reality. A stock price, which is now down, I'm looking at it right now, down 38%. They opened trading at $219 a share. And it looks like they are, well, no, they're at $219 a share now. And they opened trading at $350 a share, which means they cratered $124 per share. They opened at $350 and now they're at $219. But will Netflix go and double and triple down on the, we need more trans content. We need more BLM content. Well, if that's the case, their stock price is going to continue to plummet because the American people don't want it. You want a poll before a poll? If you want a window into what's going to happen in November, look at Netflix. People don't just not want that in their politics. They don't want it in their home. And now Netflix is scrambling and they're wondering, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You've decided to create content that is at odds with Western values. Turns out people actually don't want to pay for that. People don't want this garbage that has been produced in the last couple of years post-Floyd. Cut 50, CBS reports on the massive loss by Netflix. Play Cut 50. The streaming service Netflix today reported a loss of 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter of the year. It is the first time in a decade that Netflix has reported a loss of in subscribers, and it set the company stock plunging by 25% in after hours trading. Netflix is blaming the losses on increased competition, password sharing, inflation, and even the war in Ukraine. Password sharing. Yeah, that's it. No, Netflix, it's not the war in Ukraine, it's not password sharing, and competition might be a little part of it. It's that no one really wants to see the crap that you're publishing. If you were producing beautiful content, if you were producing stories that were compelling, then people would be flocking to your service. And there's some stuff on it, but generally, it's just the same sort of repetitive garbage. People don't want that, and they're starting to show that. And so there are market principles at play here. And you see that with CNN. And the question will be, how will these organizations and companies keep themselves afloat? What is going to be the bailout model? I mean, you already saw massive media companies be bailed out by taxpayers in the midst of the pandemic through stimulus. You saw huge amounts of taxpayer dollars go to bailout media companies. Then you saw the CDC... And NIH come in with incredibly, like just overwhelming, like just incredible sums of money to advertise the vaccine and to advertise NIH and CDC propaganda. A lot of media companies benefited from that and got a lot of money of get your back, get vaccine and get boosted today. Tons of money for media companies. So we know that. But now those kind of those things are over for right now. So what is going to keep these media companies afloat? People don't actually want to consume their information. And Netflix is a great example because the Netflix model is inherently brutal. Where CNN can kind of hide how many people are watching, like, oh, we have web traffic and we have all these different types. We have airport traffic, which is, I think, CNN's. Without airports, I don't know how many people would actually watch CNN. There's a very interesting story as to why CNN is in airports. They actually had to get FAA approval. The Federal and Aviation the Federal Aviation Administration does a contract with CNN. CNN is also in your kids' schools, by the way. It's called um, it's not New Day. I'll think of it. Uh, it's one, Channel One, I think is what it's called. CNN is in public schools all across the country, and they get paid for that garbage, trying to condition kids into that. Oh, CNN in the airports got shut down in January. I didn't know that. Huh. I Maybe mean, that's why I'm happier when I'm going through airports and I don't have to wear a mask. So CNN actually, okay, in January, they grounded their long-running airport network. Yeah, without CNN in the airports, I don't know who would have actually watched it. But also they have the, the school propaganda piece. But anyway, CNN is able to disguise and camouflage how many people are actually watching it. They can make themselves seem more popular than they actually are. Netflix can't do that because Netflix goes straight into the credit card statement and bank account of their users. So Netflix's model is brutally transparent. Netflix, if they do not have people that want their content, then they're going to go down like a rock. And that's one of the reasons why Netflix has been basically able to defy gravity through their stock price and subscribers the last couple of years is because if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. If you live by the idea that subscribers are going to give you money, but then all of a sudden what happens when they stop giving you money? And so because that their ascent has also now been their decline, So their stock is now down 38%. And so at the Netflix meeting, you got to wonder what they're going to try to do. Here's what the Wokies are going to say. Here's what we need. We need more totalitarian measures to make sure password sharing isn't happening. Okay. We need to end the war in Ukraine and Russia. I agree. that I would love to see that war. And I don't know how that impacts your company other than you shut off service in Russia, which I guess is a big market for Netflix, but not exactly sure. They say it's hundreds of thousands of homes that they shut off in Netflix uh, in Russia. What's the other thing that they blamed? They blamed uh, other competition. Okay. So, but here's the thing is that when you have an oversaturation of companies that are doing the same thing and you don't even do it well, don't be surprised, Netflix, when you crater Hulu, Discovery Plus, HBO Max, Netflix. I can't even remember all of them, by the way. YouTube TV. Amazon Video Prime, whatever, they're all in kind of the same space, which is we need to have diversity, equity, inclusion, woke type writings. And the same type of story is like, okay, there's some like isolated urban youth who might think they're transgender. And like it goes on for like nine episodes and eventually they get over it. Let's go to cut 53. A guest on Stuart Varney's wonderful program says they lost 700,000 accounts because they shut down Netflix in Russia and that this trend will continue because the streaming services are coming off their COVID high. This is an argument that it's a natural taper. I don't quite agree with this argument. Play Cut 53. Uh, well, first things first. I mean, obviously, they shut down all the accounts in Russia. So I think that was like 700,000, but that's not the main issue. The right. main issue here is, and we've talked about this before, Stu. All of the COVID darlings, whether it be Netflix, DocuSign, Zoom, any of the COVID darlings, they are getting crushed right now because they had all that pull forward at the beginning of the pandemic. And now they're realizing that, you know, the game is changing. And so people are looking at what can I cut out? Now, that's not a good sign culturally, nor is it as good sign economically. If you're about to head into a recession or a downturn, it's usually when people start to say, what can I cut out of what I have in front of me? Cut 54, Stuart Varney guest, on how people are looking at their bills and seeing what they can cut out. Netflix is now being deemed non-essential. Play Cut 54.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, as, as we've seen uh, with Netflix, uh, they're losing subscribers. And I think the rest of them, um, you know, folks are taking a look at their bills and thinking, well, what can I do without now? And uh, as, as the economy maybe slows a little bit and as we have some fear of a potential recession down the road, people are going to start to take a look at their bills. And I think all the streaming companies are probably going to see some
1: losses. Elon Musk responds to a tweet about Netflix, cratering 20%, what's now 38%. Elon Musk tweets, quote, the woke mind virus is making Netflix unwatchable. Someone else responds, Pranay Pothole says the woke mind virus is the biggest threat to civilization. Elon Musk responds, yes. You're starting to see a consolidation against this cancer that has metastasized into every central organ of the West. Everywhere you turn, it's like, why is this ever? Why is our military talking about diversity, equity, inclusion? Why do we have black-only dormitories at universities? Why do we have black-only graduation ceremonies at Columbia University? Why is United Airlines saying they're going to give preference to skin color when hiring pilots? Why is Capital State's re-advisors saying that they need a unanimous support from the board to hire a white man but black people could be hired at any time. Why is this happening? Why is it that Apple has now come out with an emoji saying that men can become pregnant? And the cancer is everywhere. And what you're starting to see is a response where decent people are ready to go scorched earth and execute a metaphorical chemotherapy campaign against the woke cancer in our country. And when you have cancer, to just kind of finish the metaphor, one of the first things they tell you to stop doing is stop eating bad sugar. It just feeds the tumor. So people are saying, look, the tumor is everywhere. I'm not going to keep on just eating this Netflix garbage because it's actually making me feel really crummy. And it's only further powering the people that I hate. Now, if Netflix thinks the future of their company is pandering to 10 to 15% of the population where People live in maybe Malibu or Manhattan or Boston, and all they care about is super radical, like, transgender youth stories of – kind of, like the, the stories on Netflix are so bad because they're destroying the Western canon. And there's this new thing they do in television now, which I just call meandering. And if you watch some of these series, it's just there's no real story for a couple episodes. It's just kind of the the main characters wander, and there's really not there's no like a confrontation to evil. There's no introspection for the betterment, but there's a lot of the and you see this in a lot of the stuff. You can kind of see this in cable television too. And I know enough of this just to be dangerous because I try not to watch this stuff. But just out of curiosity, I you know I did in the last couple months here and there just a sample of what are people watching and you see it there's so many of these scenes where like the main character is like looking up at the sky and it's always filmed from the top down and it's kind of the, the the entire camera starts to rotate as if i don't know what is real i don't know who i am i don't know what existence is and they kind of get drawn through either a psychedelic experience or some sort of one off friendship or they become an activist and you watch this and you say where is The kind of unfolding of the traditional Western story, which is broken person wants to improve, challenges evil, loves what is good, and goes on some sort of heroic adventure to go about doing it. Now, that's way too complicated. But if you kind of think about what's happening right now, the coalition, how powerful is the team reality? How powerful is the anti-woke coalition? You got the most watched cable news show in history, Tucker Carlson. You have the most listened to podcast in history, Joe Rogan. You have the richest man in history, Elon Musk. You have Donald Trump, who won more votes as a sitting president than any other president in history. You've arguably the most popular governor in modern history, Ron DeSantis. And not to mention, you have this incredible combination of Glenn Greenwald, once the hero of the anti-security state left. You have Alex Berenson, Scott Atlas, moms and dads showing up at school board meetings, and then the entire conservative base. How about Pierce Morgan, Bill Maher? I've said many times, I would much rather be on an all-star team than be an all-star myself. And I look around, I say, wow, we got Tucker, largest cable news show on the team that I'm on. Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, Bill Maher, Pierce Morgan, Glenn Greenwald. And then you got Bannon on the same time, same team of all this. You kind of look around and not to mention Bongino and all these other people. And it bears repeating, the richest man in history, by the way. No one's got more money than he does. And it really kind of, you look around, you say, This is a team that can win. It's a team that's going to win. And now, now mind you, the team might at, at the surface level just look like an opposition network, right? Which is very effective, by the way. Opposition networks tend to win because in order to win, they just have to not lose. That's one of the reasons why it's so hard to invade a country. We made this point with Russia invading Ukraine early on that I think a lot of the kind of pro Russian force, the pro Russian propaganda people um, you know, RT or whatever, they were like, oh, Russia's going to take it over in an afternoon. And it's easier, it's hard to conquer a country because in order to defend a country, you could lose every battle. You just have to not lose the war. You just have to outlast. That's what the Taliban did. That's what the American revolutionaries did. But I don't think that this team, Tucker, Rogan, England, Mar, all these people now consolidating together, I don't think it's just an opposition network. I don't. I think that all of us have an agreement. Now, we might have disagreement on some very big things like abortion and marriage and all this, but we have agreement on some things. Speech is fundamental to human existence. Consent to the governed is necessary. Human equality is an ideal worth striving for. The Constitution is a beautiful political document. No power should be centralized in one person. We believe in checks and balances. We believe in an independent judiciary. We believe that states' rights need uh, to be preserved and protected. We believe in individual sovereignty. We generally don't like corporate power merging with governmental power. And we really do not like this all-out war, this constant blitzkrieg against material reality. The entire coalition is like, hold on a second. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't tell me you don't know what a woman is. This, you could call this the A-team. You could call this the unexpected alliance. What does the other team have? They have like Joy Reid and Anderson Cooper and that eunuch that always goes on CNN, whatever his name is, and Don Lamont and, I don't know, super like fragile people like Whoopi Goldberg and labor unions. Okay, I'll take our team. Our team's going to win. Team reality versus team woke. Every single person in the category team reality is getting richer, more powerful, more popular. And the opposite is happening on the other side. Play cut 56, MSNBC is starting to explain how Democrats are totally falling out of favor with the people. Now, this is all happening simultaneously, and it's not a coincidence. The 200,000 people that no longer want Netflix are also the people that are now saying, give us Republicans back in control. The very same people that do not want to watch CNN Plus are the very same people that say, we want Republicans back in control. You're starting to see it at every single corner, at every single turn. So it's not just manifesting culturally. It's not just manifesting economically. It's not just manifesting in a way that everyone can see. It's now manifesting politically. And again, the winning team, if you will, when historians accurately write the kind of saga of this era, they will... They will talk about the successful, unexpected coalition of Bernie Sanders liberal Glenn Greenwald, who I have a lot of respect for. I really have a lot of respect for him. Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, Bill Maher, Elon Musk, this program, and others consolidating together to defeat the woke, not to mention Brett Weinstein and Naomi Wolf, and McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., all kind of coming together around very basic values of self-government, the Constitution, and the rule of law, like stuff that we never used to not debate, where Democrats and Republicans used to always agree. It could be Barry Weiss or Douglas Murray or kind of this entire collection of people together. And it's becoming very powerful. In fact, that is where the momentum is, where Peter Boghossian, who we're doing some work with at Turning Point USA, we got to have him back on the program soon, who is an atheist. I'm the opposite of an atheist, who is, some people would call him a liberal, but a free speech guy who we're doing events with at Turning Point USA to challenge this woke virus. You think to yourself, just like a betting odds, right? If you were like Caesar's Palace in Vegas, and you say, which is the team that's going to win? The team that's able to bring people together from different backgrounds, political affiliations, and religious views, people that are highly persuasive, likable, that are getting richer, more powerful, and more popular, is that team going to win? Or is the team going to win the team that might control the institutions, but those institutions are floundering? College enrollment, down. CNN plus subscribers, down. Netflix, cratering. Absent an Elon Musk bailout, Twitter was cratering. Because their users are still down, which is the team that's going to win? If you were if you were Caesar's Palace and you were just kind of trying to handicap the odds, which is the one that you would put your money on? What's the over under there? I could tell you the team that I'd put all I'd go all in on the team that's able to get people to wear the same jersey that otherwise would hate themselves, not hate themselves, hate each other. It's like Elon Musk with Tucker Carlson, Brett Weinstein with. Steve Bannon? How does that all work together? Well, politically, it's manifesting into what will be a red wave, absent some surprises from the Democrats that we must remain vigilant. Play Cut 56.
0: What you can see there is a very close correlation between the president's, uh, between how this, these polls are done, the generic polls, and how much vote share the president's party loses. Uh, uh, the more popular. The president's party, the more they lose, not surprisingly, they're starting from a higher level. And that red dot right there is where the, uh, the Democrats and Joe Biden would be at this moment, which would be possibly losing another 2.4 percentage points beyond what they're pulling behind at the moment by the time you get to Election Day.
1: Here's the issue the Democrats are going to realize very soon. They are in an unbreakable contract. They are in an agreement. That cannot be dissolved. They are in a partnership with the woke where a divorce is not going to be easily brokered. You see, they decided to let the woke into their camp. And yeah, they got a momentary burst from it post Floyd. They got donations and they got moral signaling. But now people are realizing what they are and Democrats will not be able to decouple from it. It is now the base. It is the party of the Democrat Party.
0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. I want to talk to you for a moment about a group I've done work with for years, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. You've seen how your freedom is under attack. Go to townhallreview.com to find out how you can join Alliance Defending Freedom to help ensure the opponents of freedom don't dictate your future. That's townhallreview.com. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today.